This is Rebecca Lowe, or Rebecca Lua, if you listen to Suboptimal Radio, and you are listening to Men in Blazers on the NBC Sports Network. It's unbelievable! From the Embassy Row Studios in the crap part of Soho, it's the Men in Blazers podcast, Rog. 2016? Sullied. We've already sullied the year. Where's my rocket pack? Rog, well, I should be flying around Soho right now. I'm too tired to fly around Soho, dear. <laughs> you know, it was so a late, tired. it was a late show last night. We were on Rog. so late last night. Yeah, I don't, I don't understand why they advertised the show. It's on at twelve thirty. Yeah, twelve thirty. You're the opposite of a method actor, though, because I like the way you're saying that it's so late. Yeah, but we didn't actually tape it any later. No. It just aired later. We did. Okay, 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 I'll stay in the bit, I'll stay in the bit. Okay, yeah, it was so late last night. Well, they promoted it as a Monday night show, Yeah. even though it was on Tuesday. They should promote it as Tuesday morning. Yeah, well, they also promoted it, in fairness, that we had Kevin Doyle, the Colorado Rapids and Irish national team footballer on, when in fact we had had Molesley from Downton Abbey. Our hair hero. Yeah. The wonderful at Jason Kennedy tweeted us to say, mm-hmm. I was hoping that the late night men in blazers would be more like Playboy after dark. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, happy new year, Jason. Oh, you, do- you dodged a bullet there, Jason. Yeah, you dodged a- happy 2016. Yeah, Dave. Yeah, wish you a year of happiness, a year that's as happy as Set Blatter's was abysmal. Yeah, I always try at the beginning of the year to hope that my year will be better than C. Thomas Howell's. <laughs> You've got to be positive about a new year. It's a blank slate, Rog. Looking yeah. forward. Yeah. Everything's going to be great. Anything's possible. Yeah, I'll soon besmirch it. <laughs> do you mean, by the way, how do you feel do you, about New Year's resolutions? Uh, do you have a Because pers- pers- I've always dismissed them out of hand. Yeah. But, the, but then I read this year that Amazon founder Jeff Bezos. Yeah. Once wrote a New Year's resolution. Uh-huh. Take over the world. Which he did. <laughs> He very much and did. every year he rechecked how close he is to that goal. Yeah. So when I heard that, it did make me reconsider the philosophy of New Year's resolutions. Well, I mean, I do think there's an opportunity for a blank slate. I was reading in the Wall Street Journal today about how political candidates, particularly on the Republican side, are taking the new year to sort of try and reset the race. Um, and certainly at the company, at Embassy Row, in the crap part of Soho, we sort of make resolutions at the beginning of the year and say things we're going to try and do better. Why not put your bum on the photocopier this year? Yeah, no, we, we actually encourage that. Yeah. We think that's very what important. What kind of resolutions did you make? You know, I want our New York office and LA office to communicate with each other uh, better. I want us to, you know, move quicker as a company. I want us to make deals quicker. I want us to, like, um, get our budgets prepared faster. Your New Year's resolution speed, so Rog. Different communication, to my, so different to mine. Yeah, well, do you want to know what mine were? What are yours, Rod? Number one, yeah, watch more football. Uh huh. So I feel more alive more often. <laughs> okay, that's hard to do. Number two, yeah, the New York winter has been mild. Yes, until today. Yeah, one of my resolutions is to find a climate I can exist in where I can wear more tweed more at the time. Yeah. Okay. Um. And I, oh, what? Are you leaving New York? <laughs> don't know. I'd go anywhere where it's freezing. See, I want to go the opposite. I want to go somewhere warmer. I like seasons. I yeah. do. I like seasons. I like this. I mean, I, we've talked in the past about how there's two kinds of people. Yeah. People who just like to wear shorts whenever there's a tiny glimmer of sun. Like, yeah. that shorts are on. I'm walking around the city in my shorts. That's me. Yeah. And then there's a the person who just values the opportunity to get all snuggly. Yeah. I lo- and like oh, a chunky... I love a chunky... You love a chunky cardigan. Chunky cardigan. You're wearing a chunky cardigan today. Say, but 
a more important possible resolution. I'd like to, to read less bleak novels, David. <laughs> well, your non-fiction reading isn't exactly uplifting, Yeah, I, sp- I spent a lot of the holiday, <laughs> which is my time off. I realised afterwards I read seven books while I was away. All of them were about death, destruction and hopelessness. And then I came back and topped it all off by going to see Son of Saul at the movies. Well, could we be a little more specific about that? You're on vacation in Mexico. Yeah. And you spent your whole time reading <laughs> about the drug cartels and corruption in Mexico. <sighs> and it a little bit ruined your vacation it's in Mexico. It's very hard to get any waiters <laughs> to come anywhere near me while I was there. And I don't blame them. By the way, Son of Saul, yeah. audacious, mm-hmm. thoroughly hope-draining film. Go and see it. Um, I, I need to start exposing myself more to human experience of warmth and joy, David. Yeah, that's my goal. I agree. For this year, I need to understand what that feels like. Yeah. Our book designer, Peter Mendelssohn. Yeah. He, he made me think about that when he sent me a Jeff Dyer quote recently. Uh-huh. Well, it's important not to convert prejudices into manifesto pledges. Yeah. My experience is in keeping with actuarial norms. Middle age now, I look forward to the days when I join that gruffy, contented portion of the male population that reads only military history. (laughs) (laughs) I've read a lot of military history. Uh, I I enjoy military history. I want to read about happiness and love at least once every two months in 2016. You know what? I've read an amazing piece about joy in The Observer this weekend. Uh We chatted about it yesterday. We did. Paul McKenna. Goldfish. The English hypnotist. Oh, yes. He's rough. Would you describe him as like the David Copperfield kind of guy of England? And of hypnosis. Yeah, and he, yeah. he, he wrote in the, in the Guardian. He uh, wrote this, it's astonishing. Yeah, right now, I'm living rich. I'm healthy, in a happy relationship, and feel very lucky. Whenever myself and Ryan Seacrest, <laughs> who I met in 2010, are having one of those rich moments, yeah. we text each other, LTD, living the dream. <laughs> it's, I've got to check that with Ryan Seacrest. Would because you? I'm a little... I'm a little suspicious as to whether that really happens. And find out whether he thinks LTD means what <laughs> this guy thinks it, it means. It might mean something else. Yeah. Less um, Trinidadian dysentery. Yeah. Also, I've thought a lot about this piece, David. I've only ever said that, ironically, at the point that I've been yes. wiping my son's bottom or yeah. something like that. Yes. Then you say, oh, living the dream. Uh, so who does that? What kind of a person Genuinely, does that? Genuinely. At a moment when, they're, when they pull up in their Maserati and... And are going in for yeah, a, he wrote a, a lot champagne about his reception. He wrote a lot in this article about also. He wrote Bentley. about how his Bentley, yeah, how much yeah. he loves his Bentley. Living the dream. I wonder when, he, when you text LTD back to someone that has yeah. texted you LTD, yeah. do you really feel good when you push send on that text? He might have hypnotized Ryan Seacrest. It is possible <laughs> to be his friend and to, and to uh, open up a, uh, a, a consensual textual relationship with him. I would bet 97% of people who text back LTD to an initial text LTD yeah. do so to keep up the charade. And as soon as, as soon as they've sent it, they just crumble onto an unmade bed, bury their head in the pillow and just sob, sobs, born of the sheer energy of keeping up the pretense. Yeah. It's brutal. LTD. Or there are some people who are so happy, Rog, yeah. and no. content no. that they really do feel they're blessed and living the dream. Oh, living the dream. <laughs> living the dream. Living We're the gonna dream. We're going to use gonna, that a lot. St- no, I'm going to start texting you LTN. <laughs> living, living the, the nightmare. nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> or better still, just L- NLTD. Not living the dream. No, LTM. Living yeah. the mare. <laughs> I'm living the mare. <laughs> Oh, make me feel better. Let's talk about football. Oh, football, Rog. We've got LTD. a packed show. We really do have a packed show. We've not podded since 
several things happened. Chelsea we were all good last time we potted. I know, very 2014 LTD. start to 2016. Mourinho, Mourinho texting Abramovich, LTD. Roman texting, but yeah, LTD. Yeah. Mm, have you met my sharks over <laughs> there? Um, yes, Chelsea's very 2014 start to 2016 this past weekend. We debate the brand of wildlife to which Roman Abramovich fed Jose Mourinho. We break down Manchester United's 2-1 win against Swansea City. And we discuss Emperor Louis van Gaal's increasingly tenuous reign. We take stock of a title race that refuses to colour inside the lines. Plus, MLS comings and goings. Zizou Rog takes over from Rafa at Real Madrid. And the possibility of a FIFA presidential debate. OK, Rog, to the football. We are now 20-38. That reduces to 10-19 of the way through the Premier League season. Despite being on the other side of a frenzied four-match-day festive period, the magic eight ball still tells us, reply hazy, ask again. Nice pouring, Rog. LTD. <laughs> LTG, living the Guinness. Cheers. That is gorgeous. Oh, God, that First Guinness shared with you in 2016. Yeah, first Guinness of the year, together. Oh, the 20-game uh, mark. It's thrilling Premier League season. Yeah. The English media are using this milestone to debate whether it's the best ever Premier League season. Yeah. Or the worst in history. History. Yeah, exactly, because there's no, there is no <laughs> middle ground between those two points of view. That is everything you need to know about the way the Premier League is covered. I love it, David. I've got to say, every team I've realised this season, in past seasons... We've always laughed at how cycles, storyline cycles, have been kind of just compressed. One game lost, it's a crisis. One win is a renaissance or a top four threat back on. Yeah. But this season, that really is true. The margins are so thin. Three points makes a massive difference. And beyond that, every single team in the Premier League right now is its own mini soap opera. It's not, so just, right. it's not just the normal narrative. It's just like there's a top four race where the top four have kind of pulled away from the pack. There's a bottom six or seven. There's Europa places already defined here. Every single team, there's managerial meltdowns at all of them. There's just erratic unpredictability at all of them. Every team, Davo, is a telenovela sat aside. The Premier League has become a platform for the 20 best soap operas in the sporting world. You know, I produced uh, something like 363 primetime episodes of Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. And I had not this, enough. Too, uh, not yeah. enough. Well, then there were said. thousands in syndication. But there was a moment, and I don't know which episode we got to, probably around 124, where I realised that everything that could possibly happen with that format in that game had already happened. And now we were just recycling the stuff. The amazing thing about the Premier League is that every weekend, just when you think it's all over, something else happens that you just never ever saw coming before. Yeah, I mean, I was in Mexico, as you know, and all anyone wanted to talk about, any Mexican gent I came across, <laughs> Leicester City, yeah. all of them Leicester. wanted to talk about. Leicester. Yeah. Jaime Vardy. Yeah. The Foxes, they just felt like English football's global juggernaut. <laughs> Man United who? Yeah. And Rebecca Lowe, when she sullied herself by coming into our panic room, she yeah. said that she summed up the, seri the season beautifully, I thought, when she just looked at the spoof and she said... United and Chelsea fans, they're experiencing life. It's <laughs> <laughs> very true. I say this weekend's well, game. I think being a Chelsea fan in 2015, yeah. you experienced everything. You experienced the pinnacle and you experienced 
the depths. The penthouse and the pavement. Exactly. Oh. LTD. L- <laughs> <laughs> this weekend, we should say, had yeah. some nice moments. But watching in the entirety, many of the big teams, United, Arsenal, City, those games were harder to look at than Ed Sheeran's chest tattoos. <laughs> it was th- This weekend was like one large plate from the Premier League players for a winter break. Everyone yeah. looks exhausted. Yeah. At Crash Childress tweeted us, pretty sure we finally found out who writes this stuff. The league is produced and narrated by Steve Harvey. <laughs> that was amazing. That was absolute. That was one of the most amazing clips. I've seen a lot of television. I've been around the production of a lot of television. I have never seen anything like that. They must have done that on purpose. Steve Harvey is a viral genius. Yeah. You want me to get them all talking? Yeah. Watch this. So, so good. Uh, okay, Rod, straight in. Crystal Palace, nil. Chelsea, three. Oh my God, I can't believe I'm actually getting to talk about something pleasant in regards to Chelsea. New Year, old Chelsea. Goals from Oscar, Willian and Diego Costa. See Chelsea past Alan Pardew's men at Selhurst Park in convincing fashion. Chelsea emerge from the festive period unbeaten, 14th in the table, and with a new slash old permanent slash interim manager. We should go back a bit before we get to the Palace game. Oh my because God. Because we so did much. not, on this pod, deal with. When, when we last podded, Jose yeah. Mourinho was still breathing. He was still breathing. the manager. He was still <laughs> he was living. Still, alive. still breathing. He yeah. had yet, yet been flayed. The skin yeah. was still attached to his face. He's gone. Yeah. And I think, Davo, I think I might have killed him. <laughs> well, I, that was my tweet. Hashtag curse of Rog. Yeah. His Premier League win percentage was around 70%. Yeah. And then he and I hung out for an afternoon mm-hmm. and it plummeted to 25%. I'm like Samuel Tarly, Sam the Slayer. Don't trust me around Dragon Glass, whatever you do, Davo. But he's gone. Mm-hmm. Discuss the emotions. Relief. <sighs> sorrow. Abject fear. Daddy's dead. No, look, I think the overwhelming emotion, if this is an emotion, is confusion. I still don't feel like we have heard the entire story of everything that happened at that club, in that locker room. Uh, And I still don't think we know all the thinking that went on amongst the Chelsea upper management, which, face it, is one man. It's Roman Abramovich who's going to make the decisions and make the calls, even though he didn't fire his manager in person. Uh, Left it to one of his henchmen to and do the deed. The club's technical director... And former San Jose Clash star. Wow. Former MLS star pulling the strings at Chelsea, Davo. Amazing. And he described the whole situation as a, quote, palpable discord. Yeah. Palpable discord yeah. between manager and players. Yeah. What was amazing about it to me, Davo, the whole power struggle, John Stones, Eva Kinero, uh, Thibaut Courtois' injury, just an erosion of John Terry, no-show roles and Matic, Hazard, Costa. What was amazing about watching Mourinho this season was to see a sharp-tongued master of the last word that could never be trumped, just lost and faltering, Dave. I'm trying to think of who has declined as quickly before I was, and I could only think of Jamie Lannister. Yeah. And he, he'd lost his bloody sword hand. But he reminded me of a piece of life wisdom that Little Britain's Matt Lucas dispensed when he came <laughs> on our show. He said to us, you'll meet everyone twice in life, once when you're on the way up and once when you're on the way down. So treat them all accordingly. Just seeing the humbled Jose Mourinho was amazing. On the one hand, you've got to think, in what other field of life or even sport could you win 
the Premier League halfway through the year and in the same year, same calendar year, be just disgraced, be just done, be booted out. Uh, that's really amazing. Could that have happened at any other club other than Chelsea is a relevant question. Now this merry-go-round of managers, it continues, it continues, it continues. Certainly they haven't put a permanent solution in place. Uh, certainly we still have no idea the direction that Roman Abramovich wants to take this team, certainly not in terms of who he's going to put in to go and do that job. Um, and at the same time, I do think that seeing Didier Drogba in the director's box, sitting next to Roman Abramovich, is actually a real indication of what that team lost when they let Lampard go, when they let Drogba go, when they let Peter, Peter Cech, Cech go, is that this was a team where all the success they'd had was about this blending of these younger players, these players from all around the world, with these senior, senior players. And that's something which, you know, as a someone who loved this team, a team that for many people, they don't understand why you would love this team. There was something about those senior players. Loyal, always long-serving talent. And, and there was something very good about Chelsea, and it got lost. It got just wiped I away. I mean, look at it. This squad is currently stuffed to the gills with gents who are just passing through. They're yeah. no different to Stoke in terms yeah. of their mentality and relationship to the coach. Why it's so symbolically smart to me when I saw Abramovich by yeah. Didier Drogba. I know he's trampling on the spirits of Montreal Impact fans, yeah. and it puts MLS in a in a tough position. But that is absolutely, it's the starkest takeaway. Chelsea do lack what they had at their, at their best, that loyal, that loyal talent. And so my one negative coming out of this, true negative, because look, Jose Mourinho was a great Chelsea manager and he was a great Chelsea manager twice. And I do believe that there's a chance that he will be back for a third time. Portuguese Billy Martin. But my one negative is that of Jose Mourinho 2 versus Jose Mourinho 1 is that Jose Mourinho 1 was so built his success on those senior players helping him control that players who understood the Premier League going to do it. And it just feels to me the decisions he made personnel-wise in his second era were about getting rid of those senior players, about depancing those senior players and putting himself much more at the centre of the action and taking we, away that power We've always said, listeners, room. hate with reason. Yeah. Yeah, it's one, of, it's one of the things that still your New Year's resolution, still something you're sticking to. <laughs> oh, but Joe say he's won eight league championships in four different countries, European Cup with two clubs, UEFA Cup, FA Cup, League Cup, Spanish Cup, Italian Cup. He will win again, as you said, probably at Chelsea Football yeah. Club for a third coming. I'm sure he's just killing time to end. The, the response from Chelsea fans was fascinating. Watching the fans boo their own players before a game had even started against Sunderland, the three rats, Azard, Sesk and Costa, and players who they, they believed would rather lose in a Chelsea jersey than win under Mourinho. That was hard to take. But the second Gus Hiddink era is upon us, Davo. Yeah. Chelsea, if they're anything, they're a club of Groundhog Day-like cycles. And Hiddink came in and said, fresh start for all, clean slate for past misdemeanours. Faltering start. I'd say watching that 0-0 draw with Manchester United, possibly the low point of my holiday period. I would have preferred to stare at Andy Carroll's cornrows for 90 minutes. No, I wish Chelsea had had Andy Carroll in that game without uh, Diego Costa. We had no focal point. Oh, it was like watching a knife fight between Milhouse and Toby Flenderson, two teams just crushed with fear. Chelsea, they look like 11 gents who hadn't trained together before kickoff. Mm -hmm. And I do think if they were like celebrities, these two teams, we'd all just say si silently to ourselves, it's sad how they've let themselves go, these two teams. Yeah. But then we pod... Yeah. The weekend after glory, Davo. Yeah. Like he's injured, withered, 
Crystal Palace, no Wickham, no Kabai, no Balassi. With the new 18% ownership of 76 owners, Josh Harris and David Blitzer. Yeah. Triumph. Well, look, I don't think Chelsea are out of the woods. This isn't a whole brand new Chelsea, despite what I read in the open. You know, there was a victory against Sunderland, who are one of the poorest teams in the Premier League. There was that awful dull nil-nil draw against Manchester United without Costa. There was the uh, draw against Watford with the penalty miss from Oscar. It was more than a penalty miss. Miss isn't a big enough word for what that penalty miss was. Uh, And then, yes, this uh, weekend against Crystal Palace. The fact is, early in the game, Crystal Palace had a bunch of chances. And had Crystal Palace put one of those chances away, which has tended to happen this season against Chelsea, I think it might have been a very different result. But then a few players started to do what they haven't done. I don't think the fans were wrong to criticise the players. Maybe to single out the three rats, they were wrong. But to criticise the players for their performances this season, I don't think they were wrong. Uh, But then that ball from Fabregas, um, fantastic ball, to a Diego Costa running into a decent area. And that cut back to Oscar, fantastic. All happening after Eden Hazard made another cameo appearance. I mean, well, he's not back yet. He's like one of those mafia fringe guys who's found a no-show job. Yeah. I mean, he limped off after 60 minutes. He gets paid $295,000 a week, that bloke. His Player of the Year award defence is going even worse than Chelsea's. 2,289 minutes. It's astonishing, Davo, without a goal for that gentleman. But his disappearance, as you say, did spark Chelsea into life. Yeah. Fabregas, Lord Snoke to Oscar. It was the kind of goal, Davo, that Chelsea scored in buckets last season. Yeah, can I just say, I think Eden Hazard does not look like a player who wants to play in the Premier League anymore. He's getting fouled a lot. He gets fouled. I know statistically there are players who get fouled more, but Hazard seems to get fouled with quite a lot of impunity all the time, and he just doesn't seem to like that kind of football. Yeah. However... Yeah. Credit Edink, he does seem to have found Lord Snoke's um, <laughs> give a crap button. Diego Costa, Mourinho could not find that I give a crap button. Yeah. But now given the choice, a stark choice between score goal yeah. and fight person. Yeah, by as, I, as I said on the show, Diego Costa, oddly enough, has decided to start scoring goals. Yeah, and making passes. Four goals in his last two Premier League games. He's been involved in three, scored one assist, same yeah. He managed in the last 14 before that. Mikel has suddenly become a calming, dominant force in midfield. Mm-hmm. Cockiness amongst the Chelsea faithful. We are staying up. They start to chant with some humour, but then no humour for that Willian stonker. Oh, my word. I mean, Willian, the one player, I think, uh, who has had a fantastic season for uh, Chelsea. He's really stepped up this season. And that goal, he just lashes it, lashes it, uh, Rog. Uh, into the top right corner. Chelsea go 2-0 up. A, a goal was emblematic of the performance that deserved adjectives like potent mm-hmm. and menacing, which Chelsea have not deserved all season long. We are going to win the league, the Chelsea fans started to chant. It must have all been a shock for new Chelsea fans. It's not the Chelsea they come to know and love, the one that kind of slops around the bottom of the Premier League. Watch out mid-table. Here comes Chelsea Football Club, Davo. Just their second away win of the season, which is an amazing statistic. Got to ask you this. Has anything changed tactically, Davo? Or is it all just mental freedom for these players now that Mourinho is no longer self-combusting in their locker room as a distraction? I think the one tactical change is John Obi Mikel in there in central midfield, where he genuinely is a holding midfielder. Uh, does not have the greatest distribution, but with Fabregas passing the way he did against Palace, he doesn't need to have great distribution. But watching that big body 
Uh, and he is quite tall, Obi Mikel. Sometimes he looks shorter when you watch him on TV, but he's actually a fairly large physical but presence. Normally because he's on the bench. But literally, <laughs> yeah, sitting down. But he, um, just watching the Crystal Palace midfield, just like bump into him constantly, three of them trying to get the ball and being, uh, being thrown all over the place. I think that's a tactical change. Obviously, Diego Costa, I don't think it's tactical, but I think he's been encouraged to like make more runs into the box. He's definitely around the penalty area a lot more. And I think Oscar moving into that number 10 role in the centre of those three smalls behind him. Oscar is playing a more traditional Chelsea role, a Lampard role, where he can get late into the box and go and do it. It is amazing when I watch them, what the need to fight for their future does for a squad of players without Mourinho there to take all the blame and soak it all. Also, watching them, Davo, it's a reminder to me of Trapattoni's classic quote that a good manager makes a team 10% better and a bad manager or a manager that had made the environment toxic can Mm -hmm. make the same team 30% 30% worse. I do think some of them are actually playing for moves away to a big club, you'd yeah. say, if you were being an idiot. Well, they're I mean, just they're not that. playing. I mean, what, what I've heard a lot of pundits say is that, oh, they're now, they're, they've thrown off the defensive shackles and they're really attacking. In fact, I'm watching them track back much better than they used to. I mean, you're seeing Pedro Willian play they're, a lot better they're defense. They're tracking out, out of spite. <laughs> yeah, um, exactly. Can I ask you this, David? Spite tracking. Well, yes, yeah, spite. <laughs> it's the best kind <laughs> the of best tracking. Kind of tracking. It's the best spite kind of tracking. tracking. Well, was it all worth it? The win last season, knowing how it would all end up with your club in a state of turmoil and shambles. Oh, of course. Would you do it all again? Yes. You would? Yes. If I could say you win the title and then you self-combust or I give you two great top four finishes, what would you have taken? Oh, any Chelsea fan. I mean, anybody other than an Arsenal fan or Everton fan, I think, would take winning. I mean, winning the title is better than anything. And I do think there is a reality in sport. Sometimes you've got to win, then you've got to go and take a step back. This is a much larger step back than anybody believed. (sighs) But I ultimately think that Chelsea will come out of this stronger i think there's a silent glory in bottom feeding but at least arishi tweeted us it is difficult to enjoy this team now the players are like a spoilt child who had a tantrum and got their way well i would like i tell you the one thing i really miss is i would like to see some of these young players coming through and i've been consistent on that um so far, there's no sign of it. I'd love to see Kennedy play. I'd love to see Torore play. I'd love to see Loftus-Cheek. Some of the Tammy Abraham, some of the younger players. Patrick Bammers. Ba- Bammers can Get come Bammers back into, back. The, into the team. Uh, I'd love to see some of the young players play, but who knows if that will ever happen at this club. Okay, Manchester United 2, Swansea 1. Louis van Gaal's men do the unthinkable and score twice in one game. In the 47th minute, Anthony Martial headed home a pinpoint Ashley Yang cross to give United the lead. A deft Geethy Sigurdsson header pulled the Swans level in the 70th minute. But seven minutes later, Wayne Rooney, Rog, let me repeat that. Wayne Rooney went all Ponce de Leon, allowing a cutback to run between his legs before flicking it in with his left foot past a helpless Lucas Fabianski. After a holiday period that included losses to Norwich and Stoke, does this do anything to solidify LVG's tenuous Rain at Old Trafford. Oh, the holiday period. If you go back a bit further, even further humiliation. The Bournemouth loss and then Norwich the week afterwards. That is the first time in 69 years. Wow. Even Brad Friedel thinks that's a long yeah, time. Yeah, he does. Manchester United played back-to-back top-flight matches against promoted sides and mm-hmm. lost both games. I mean, United were leaky-leaky United. They were conceding. Mm-hmm. And never mind unable to score. They could barely hit the target. Seven shots they got on target at home. Uh, over the course of four Premier League Old Trafford games. Wayne Rooney was dropped for tactical reasons and then restored. I've got to say, for most of the 
holiday period. He was playing like a bloke who wants to play in a league that has something called TAM money. Mm-hmm. But above all, it was United's style of play that was mortifying. Mortified their fans, mortified their sponsors. I mean, their biggest sponsors started a rumble about the lack of charisma necessary for a club that it sees itself as a global brand. It left Louis van Gaal teetering Dave out, absolutely teetering on the brink and losing it in front of the English press. Yeah, no, they definitely uh, are seeing the panic in his eyes, Rog. It's actually, I find it a little bit tough to watch. I find it even tough to find all the comedies. You're watching him just taking no enjoyment whatsoever uh, from the job. I mean, he's so arrogant in his career with the press, so dismisses of the media to see him finally wilting, walking out of the press conference, telling them to enjoy their mince pies and wine. Yes, arsenic-laden mince pies. And then having United brief the press that Van Gaal is now relaxing his rigid regime like a fascist dictator in Eastern Europe, trying Mm -hmm. to cling on to power by easing their totalitarian grip. Mm -hmm. He said, I can quit by myself. It's something I will speak about with Ed Woodward by himself. Edward Woodward Woodward. It is mortifying stuff, David. There were fantastic rumours that flickered up of Mourinho to United on the eve of Chelsea actually facing United, which would have been... I mean, that would have been the apex of Premier League script writing. They wouldn't have been able to well, talk about If he'd have come in for that actual game, that would have been phenomenal. Oh, for the record, everything about the idea of Mourinho taking over at Old Trafford is just wrong. I mean, they need a dynasty builder. They need calm. They don't need three years and out. But you get the feeling. You oh, know, what, like, a dynasty builder like David Moyes or Louis van Gaal? Give, give Moisey time. Back your manager. <laughs> I mean, the funny thing about it, United without David De Gea, David, yeah. equals Aston Villa to me. Yeah. I mean, that's how bad they've been. Marcelo Lippi used to joke when Italy were really bad. He said, we do have a playmaker. Our fantasista is Gigi Buffon, who plays in goal. David De Gea has been, this season, United's fantasista. That's how bad it's gone. Yeah, well, I mean, I think Van Gaal almost accidentally hit a switch. And the accident was dropping Wayne Rooney for that Chelsea game for the first half. When he brought him on in the second half, Wayne Rooney looked like a completely different player. It might actually have been a different Wayne Rooney. They should, they should check the birthmarks and see if it's the same person. Because that second half against Chelsea, he was Man United's best player easily. And I thought, quite apart from the goal, he was fantastic uh, against Swansea at the weekend. <sighs> Still managerless Swansea. Team that really set up to, to get a, a draw, a 0-0 draw or try and pinch off a United mistake. United had all of the possession, all of the pitch placement, none of the final ball. It was a snoozer. That first half, Davo, mm-hmm. was worse than any of the football I saw at Old Trafford when David Moyes, who you did bring up, mm-hmm. was the do manager. I mean, it was dre- never in the field of human conflict has so little been conjured by so many and enjoyed by so few. It was awful, constipated yeah. football. Well, yeah, that first half, Rog, but it's like a lot of United first halves. I think that was the ninth consecutive first half in which Man United hadn't scored at Old Trafford. Watching United on television has become a chore. It's become a duty. It used to be something you'd actually, you never admit it, but you kind of enjoyed and mm-hmm. admired the way they play football. It was brutal. But in the second half, it all changed. Yeah, and it changed very, very quickly. And it was Anthony Martial, that child, in the hashtag Weekendo headers. Rog, another headed goal. The in, young man. In the, with the kind of clinical finish he used to summon on a regular basis back mm-hmm. in his youth which now seems decades ago. But he, he, does, he, he is the single, pure United, attack-minded player, the classical United player left in the squad. It felt like there's been an awakening. 
But then Swansea had an awakening of their own. They threw on Mo Barrow and he changed yeah. the game with his incision down the flank. Yeah, and another fantastic header. That header from Sugerson was uh, absolutely amazing. Was it the ninth or the tenth nail in LVG's coffin? <laughs> yeah, something like that. Oh, but then United got a goal from the most unexpected of scorers. Yeah, Wayne Rooney, Rog, and what a finish it was. Kind of stuff we used to see him do regularly. Uh, but that back heel finish, although you said rather unkindly that he was trying to head the ball. Yeah, watch, uh, watching him score, it gave me like all, it was like watching Carrie Fisher in The Force Awakens. <laughs> I haven't seen it yet. It Don't was, spoil it. it no spoilers. Like, oh, I remember when. That's what you think. It was like watching Kobe Bryant dunk the basketball. You're just overwhelmed by a sense of kind of like nostalgia we should say and remorse. That his goal scoring record for Manchester United is phenomenal. That, with all the great players who've played. For that team, Rog, that goal puts him second all-time uh, behind only Bobby Charlton, ahead of Dennis Law, behind only Bobby Charlton in scoring for that club. I hope Van Gaal stays is what I want to say. I mean, you get the feeling United are desperate to limp towards the end of the season with him in place. Mm-hmm. Turbulence of just consistent transition is brand degrading for a giant uh, like United. Uh, I hope he stays partly because we'd recorded our half-season special with Rebecca Lowe in mid-December. <laughs> I know, that would have been awful. I desperately didn't want it to date. But I've, I've realised I've come to savour LVG. Yeah. Not from a footballing perspective. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's crap. He's an emperor with no clothes. But from a human kind of poetic POV, he's like a Dickens character, Wackford Squeers. And I love how the press now are getting briefed by United, desperate United staffers. The story of how it came out... He's a manager of incredible detail. Do you know, he demanded meetings of all of the players' parents so that he could see how they'll age. He told one old Trafford employee, always look at their dads, which is rather terrifying. He, he, he reportedly met Wayne Rooney's father <laughs> and told, uh, told his, his medical staff, I think Wayne might, quote, have problems later in his career. Do you really need he to He might meet- lose his hair. <laughs> he might lose his hair. Do you really need to meet Wayne's parents, David, to guess how he's going to age? Oh. Or does his decomposing football ability and three hair transplants tell he you had a good, you Let him know? have a good weekend, Roger. He had a good weekend. Oh, massive, massive result for LVG. They're in fifth place, Roger. They're three points out of the top four. They're still there. And on the day, he says he needs a new striker. Both uh-huh. of his score, their first win since November. First win in nine games. But they are still very much there. Okay, Rog. Arsenal 1, Newcastle 0. Arsenal Vegas men find a way to win ugly. Not something we've been able to say in the second half of many seasons with this team. They steal three points from Steve McLaren's side behind a 72nd minute goal from striker extraordinaire Laurent Koscielny. Rog, <laughs> Arsenal Wenger's men end the holiday period with three wins out of four and two points clear at the top. Gutsy, gutsy win. Arsenal, top of the table at yeah. New Year. Mm-hmm. A bare-bottom spanking against Southampton aside. Yeah. They had an edifying holiday experience. Yeah. Not choking in big games. Gaining result versus big teams. Manchester yeah. City. Very big result. Finding multiple threats. I'd say they are working very hard. I'd say this for Arsenal. They're working super hard to shatter their reputation as the Premier League's greatest bottlers. Yeah, chokers. As you say in America, they've really painstakingly cultivated that bottler reputation over the past 12 years. Mm-hmm. Giroud is now for reals. He's not just a pretty face. Mm-hmm. Only Harry Kane scored more Premier League goals in 2015 uh, than Giroud, along with Vardy and Aguero at 19. Meza Ozil is making them believe. Everyone's saying he's like Bergkamp resurrected, even Wenger. 
compared him to the Dutch great. He said, something I enjoy very much is the timing of Mesut's passes. Mm -hmm. It's never surprising. I love that. It's never surprising. He is somebody whose song is always the right tone. And Peter Cech, David, how do you feel watching him in goal? Because he, oh, you could I say he's player him. of the season. I admire him. He's been fantastic. Another uh, great smothering uh, save when Wijnaldum had a fantastic chance. He, he said after the game, the key to his success is that he berates his defence in three different languages, mm -hmm. which I guess are German, French and Huttese for Gabriel. <laughs> but we've got to say Arsenal fans, Arsenal were top two seasons ago at New Year. Yeah. And then they fell away. They were out of the title race by March. They had mm -hmm. to fight to grasp fourth place from Everton at the end. When, when they got smashed by Southampton, at, at Fox Soccer tweeted, who saw this coming? 4-0. And John Green tweeted back, anyone who has ever seen Arsenal play in the last decade. Yeah. Does it feel different this season? Um, I'll tell you what's different this season for Arsenal is they are beating teams in the top six that's the difference that's what Arsenal have not been able to do yes they've done it mainly at home and if Arsenal are going to win the league they've got big games against Manchester City against Tottenham against Manchester United against West Ham against Liverpool against Stoke against Everton against Bournemouth and Sunderland away those first ones that I mentioned all against good teams top half of the table teams that's what's going to decide their season. They're away form against the teams in the top half of the table. And for you, this Newcastle game, this was the performance of champions. Yes, gutting, absolutely. Gutting it out. Yeah, winning those games with a, uh, with a sort of, you know, final quarter uh, goal uh, that sort of comes not against the run of play, but when it seemed that they couldn't break down the defence. And also an unlikely goal scorer, a goal scorer who you wouldn't expect. And... A really pretty fantastic finish, which is emblematic of Arsenal's football, that all of their players have such phenomenal skill. That was a goal of Fantastic art. finish yeah. by Koscielny. I don't think there's a narrower, sharper face in football than Laurent Gakpo. I feel, <laughs> yes, like, I feel like I could, I could open... You. I, when I look at him, I always think, yeah. I could open my mail with you. Yeah, exactly, yeah. the can of sardines. Oh, so I've got to say about Newcastle, they really impressed they played with a real organisation, a certain yep. amount of aggression, which you promised. Yeah. Uh, Arsenal couldn't hold on to the ball in this game for large chunks. The defence was run roughshod by Newcastle, mm -hmm. who could do everything but finish. I mean, you, you, the Wijnaldum one-on-one. -on -one. Thank you, Chelsea, when Czech went down to save. Yeah. Really is. But he was just out so quick. If he's not the player of the season, he's definitely Chelsea's player of the season, Peter Czech. Well, him and Willian. Um, Amy Lawrence wrote a beautiful piece about how Arsenal fans now want to see Arsenal's traditional second half of the season surge. So that was always the hallmark of a classic Arsene Wenger team, whether it was down to creatine and superpowered vitamin shots or whether the players were talented enough to seize the moment. She said, that's what we want to mm -hmm. see for the season ahead. But the amazing Arsenal story of the week, Davo, it's got to be that letter in the Australian magazine in which poor Claire Smith of Blacktown, New South Wales, wrote the following... We chose our daughter's name, Lancera, because it was unique and romantic. It wasn't till she was two that my husband told me it was actually his favourite soccer team, Arsenal, spelled backwards from Claire Smith, Blacktown, <laughs> New South Wales. Oh, I love it. I love men. I love men. What kind of a man do you, Dave? A, does that. Yeah. And then B, waits two years to reveal the truth. <laughs> you either do it. I'm a big or, fan of secrets. That's what shot. made it so fun. I'd what made it so fun for him what? with all of his mates down at the pub? 
They would just say, has she figured it out yet? No, she hasn't figured it out, mate. I just love that. I would it's love so to good. know what changed in his life that he confessed about it. Something <laughs> must have happened. By the way, someone in Oregon is no yeah. doubt listening to this pod and working out how he can call his next kid Dunlatrop Shrebmit. Yeah. <laughs> Which is what? Portland Timbers. <laughs> it's a beautiful name. Yeah. Go, go, it's a beautiful name, darling. <laughs> <laughs> it's ours. All Fair. ours. Perfect, Rog. Manchester City. They go to Watford, Rog, and they pull out a 2-1 victory. It only took Manuel Pellegrini 82 minutes to communicate <laughs> to Yaya Toure that a football game was, in fact, taking place at Vicarage Road. <laughs> After City fell behind to an Alexander Kolarov own goal, the Ivorian volleyed home a corner eight minutes from time. I mean, nonchalantly. Two minutes and 36 seconds later, City completed the comeback through a powerful Sergio Aguero header. <sighs> City takes seven of a possible 12 points from the holidays. They're three off Arsenal. I've come to this conclusion over the holiday period, David. Yeah. Yaya Toure is the best impact substitute in football. <laughs> only, even, though, even when he's starting. Only trouble is City have to play him for a full 90 minutes. He's a man who likes to do nothing for 80 minutes or so. And then he just suddenly bursts into life and scores a thunderous goal with his left foot normally. Yeah. That just makes you wonder, why aren't there more goals like that in English football? Yeah. And then he just shuts down, battery packs off. Yeah. I mean, here's the bad news for City fans. Their team, they have five league losses before Christmas. No team has won the English First Division and lost that many before Christmas since the great Everton team of 1986-87. The yeah. dark ages of English football. Bad news part deux, fonts on company. Out since November the 8th, trots onto the routine 4-1 demolition of Sunderland yeah. in the 60th minute and then wobbles off just nine minutes later yeah. with a repeat of his calf problem. Either that or he's realised he does more for the team when he looks on sadly looking ever more like Pacino in Dick Tracy from the director's box. It's just this, I'm not sure if they actually show that shot live anymore when City concede. Yeah. Or whether they just use old kind of uh, archival footage of Vonson Company in the rain looking sad. Yeah. But their, their away form has been patchy. So this win at Watford, it was their first on the road in seven games. Again, not really title form. Mm-hmm. Losses to Tottenham, Stoke and Arsenal along the way. But I thought this Watford win was massive, David. Yeah, I think it is massive. I oh, should say, because now at this point in a title race, you know, the fixture list becomes very, very important. Man City, seven of their remaining nine games against the bottom half of the table from 13 on down. So it's these away games against the weaker teams they're going to have to win. Watford are a very, very good team. A very, very good team. And Watford had chances to do more damage here, Rog. But that comeback, that in less than three minutes, that was really impressive stuff. I mean, Watford, they are an excellent team. They are organised, they are disciplined, they are intentional. Kike Flores dropped one of my favourite quotes of December Mm -hmm. when he said... I see a link between art and football. It's all a show, which I love. I mean, for him, yeah. Gallo bullied Otamende and Eloquin Mangala at will. Yeah. But it took a bit of ginger magic it for did. Watford to go it ahead. Did ben Watson with the corner, Rog, and some kind of black magic. Kolarov with one of the... I mean, that's a difficulty factor of 4.67 own goal that he knocked into his own but net. Better header than Kunaguero's yeah. to win it. Yeah. It could have been two. Capu ran the full half length of the field like Devon Hester <laughs> and then blew his finish with the goal at his mercy. Yeah. Pellegrini had to take a risk, introduced Boney, played mm-hmm. two up front, 
and it worked twice well, within 156 seconds. Yeah, who knows exactly what worked. Yaya Toure with that finish from that corner, that goal, Rog, something, just a <sighs> class apart. He, he likes to trot around like a golem and then he just flickers into life. i got to say, rumours of Real Madridisco's arrival have meant he has to pretend to give a crap for at least three minutes a game. <laughs> I get the feeling they have a conversation, him and Pellegrini, beforehand. Yeah. I'll give you three minutes. No more. It can be at the beginning of the game. It can be at the end. You choose. Which three minutes do you want? Yeah. You just tell me. Do you want yeah. it in the se- 156 seconds later, though, David? Yeah. Uh, fantastic goal. Sergio Aguero rising because he's not a large man. He's five foot eight. He scores a large man's goal, Rod. Uh, knocks it. Ryan knocks Seacrest it. on Wikipedia. Lexi doesn't believe this. But he says he's five foot eight on Wikipedia. He David. might be five foot eight. Ryan might be five foot eight, but he is half the weight of Sergio Aguero. If that wet, he's half. The Ryan Seacrest would not have been able to get ahead of those two oh, defenders. He, 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 get he, he doesn't ball. have a lot of vertical. And lead, Ryan Seacrest. would not have worked out like a master craftsman how to yeah. angle that Seacrest head. Too busy living the dream. And not the <laughs> LTD Cunaguero. Jinky Cunaguero. LTD Cunaguero. Not scored. Away from home since May, Cunegrave. It's actually his first goal since 21st of November. Mm-hmm. But all hail City. Something we saw United do over and over again in the Sir Alex, uh, i.e. the successful Man United era, turned defeat into three points within a matter of seconds. Sad for Watford. Harsh on them, the yeah. defeat, Davo. They've had two late losses in consecutive games. But City... City should feel that this victory is one of symbolic power and menacing intent. Fabulous. Uh, and also of class. I mean, one is always reminded in sport that form is temporary and class is permanent. And this was about really, really world-class players. Yaya, Toure and Sergio Aguero just at the moment when they really needed it, uh, figuring out a way to win that LTD, Yaya. LTD, Kun Aguero. Uh, Leicester, nil. Bournemouth, nil. Rog. Oh. Riyad Mahrez sees his 59th minute penalty saved by Artur Boric. Up the and Leicester failed to break through against 10-man Bournemouth at the King Power. The Foxes take a respectable five points from a treacherous holiday stretch. And despite sitting second, we have to ask if plucky little Leicester have punched themselves out. As the bubble burst, is our dream over? Mm-hmm. Five points out of 12 over the holidays, three goalless games. We've come to expect more. At Scommy25 tweeted us to say, what brave new world 2016 is. A year in which I'm upset. Leicester City aren't on NBCSN this morning. You have had a feast. And the truth is, you're still having a feast, Leicester City. The loss to Liverpool was just the first league defeat for Leicester since the 26th of September. One of those draws was against Manchester City. Total cost of Leicester starting 11 $25 million, $483 million worth of Manchester City starters. That is the big difference maker for Leicester. Their squad is so small relative to the big guns like the City and Arsenal. And I do fear that they're going to wear themselves down as the season progresses. Jamie Vardy now off to have a minor operation yeah, yeah. on a groin injury. Don't know how you have a minor operation on a groin. Don't think there is. Rumoured yeah. to be out. <laughs> For at least two weeks. And Leicester's schedule doesn't let up. Next six games, they play Tottenham, Manchester City, Arsenal, Liverpool and Stoke. Yet the draw against my darling Bournemouth, Davo. Yeah. Leicester have hit their coveted 40 points. They do have a tough schedule going in. They've got to go away to a lot of the top teams and Chelsea. 
uh, Rog, which I think New Chelsea might not be as easy as that might have looked a couple of months ago. Um, and it's going to be difficult for them. Ranieri said all along that 40 points, the symbolic number that is meant to stave off relegation, was his goal. After this game, he told the press he was going to buy all of his players champagne to celebrate. Olo White told me, I, I communicated with him over the weekend. He said, if the wheels come off, so be it. We'll still be in the league next season, hmm. which I think is a beautiful way to look at life. Yeah. I still believe, David, I still believe that Leicester City will be awarded the trophy on the final day of the season when they play Chelsea at Stamford Bridge, which is the apex of great Premier League writing. Yeah. Bournemouth, we should say, fantastic run of games, coincided just coincidentally with the time they've become my team of choice on EA Sports FIFA. I've got to say, clearing the ball with a thumping Tommy Elphick header. Mm-hmm. It's one of my most erotic pleasures of the uh, holiday period. I've also got to give you an Arta Boric tattoo update. David. Oh, very good. That's breaking news. Many of you have asked for it after the, uh, the penalty save mm-hmm. of the weekend. Mm-hmm. We talked about the Can vertical... Can we get this segment sponsored? <laughs> I think it needs a real sponsor, the Arta Boric tattoo By update. Barbasol. <laughs> yeah. Um, the vertical tattoo mm-hmm. that descends from his ear, a lot of you have written in yeah. to tell us that that um, it just says in English letters going down his neck from his ear, it just mm-hmm. says addicted to dot, dot, dot. Ah, oh. tattoos. But it's also, <laughs> it's also only his second crappers yeah. tattoo. Yeah. Does he have LTD? Oh, not yet. <laughs> That's not a crap tattoo. I mean, I was thinking about getting that just above okay. my bum and my champ stamp. Um, on his stomach, around his belly button. Uh-huh. I don't know how to describe this. It's best Googled. Uh-huh. should Google Arta Boric belly button. Yeah. But he has a... Do you see this one, JW? I sent this to JW. He has a monkey bending over. Yeah. Pulling its butt cheeks apart. Yeah. So it's exposing its sphincter. Yeah. Which coincidentally happens to be exactly where Arta Boric's belly button is. It's a sight gag. For life, <laughs> he's going to have that sight gag on his stomach. So wait a minute. It's a monkey... Bending over, pulling apart his cheeks, revealing <laughs> as though, God, it could lead to terrible confusion. <laughs> Do you think a, you think a groin, think a groin operation is difficult? Whoa. Addicted to dot, dot, dot. Oh, very, very difficult, Rog. Okay, Everton won, Spurs won. An end-to-end affair between two teams that do not subscribe to discretion being the the better part of Valor. (laughs) Two stunning first-half goals. Everton's a remarkable piece of team Uh, play capped by Aaron Lennon and Spurs a half-court alley-oop-esque Toby (sighs) Eldu to Deli Ali combo. Everton earn only four points in the holiday stretch and sit 11th. Why so negative? Everton, is your your glass half-full? We earn four points. Out of 12. Spurs, meanwhile, take 10 out of a possible 12 and sit in fourth. Just six points off Arsenal, Rog. This game. Yeah. Two masters of self-destruction going head to head. Yeah. It was predictable that they nullified each other, cancelled each other out. Mm -hmm. Spurs began by shooting on sight at Tim Howard, who struggled, it should be said, on the field. And with the fans of late. Wow. Spurs were fantastic out of the blocks. Yeah. They're a good football team. Fantastic. Rog. Football I was team. amazed that they didn't put a couple in the net early on. Uh, they, looked, they looked dominant. Uh, but credit to Everton. They came back and started playing much better football. I mean, you can make the case that this Spurs team could go all the way. They finally cracked the top four. Mm-hmm. They got a fantastic goalkeeper. Yeah. An excellent defence. Front to back. They're amazing everywhere. A pugnacious midfielder. They got width. And Harry Kane is now so confident. He spent December 
consistently working out whenever he got the ball in the box how to create room to shoot, even though he had players better positioned than him, only to finish clinically, which is always the sign of a striker at his most confident. To be candid, Everton was struggling in this game, which in this Premier League season of weird could only mean one thing. They'd score the opening goal and score they did. Yeah, and what a goal it was, Rog. Several players involved. Ultimately, the ball from uh, Cleverly to Lukaku was beautiful. Lukaku's uh, nod down, fantastic. And Aaron Lennon, you know, not really known as a goal scorer throughout his career, Rog. Not but really he... known as a footballer. <laughs> well, I think that's unfair, unkind to one of your own. But he just, I mean, remember when we were at the NFL kickers and they talked about how important it is to, like, when you're punting, to hit the centre of the ball. That hit the absolute centre of the that, ball. That Fantastic. goes 40 yards over the goal. Yeah. Nine times out of ten. Yeah. Oh, but when it went in, I, I can only describe my feelings like those of Arthur Miller on his wedding night in bed with Marilyn Monroe. <laughs> I just like looked over at my family. I was like, how the hell did that happen? I mean, Spurs were so fast. They were so organised. They were so hungry when out of possession. that their, their players going forward have got such an amazing appreciation of each other's movement. They are a true collective. And that goal they scored at the most brutal time on the stroke of halftime. The ball from Alderweireld, uh, uh, Rog, fantastic. And Deli Ali making, making another one of his signature runs uh, over the shoulder of the defender and uh, catches it beautifully, puts it in the net. Past yeah, Howard. Everton's bat line switched off to continue our proud tradition of conceding every single shot on target mm-hmm. when the club had been in a winning position this season. Credit Everton. The introduction of Jerry Dale, Lefeu and Mo Besic, gorgeous Mo Besic, added some deftness and grit to Everton's play and Spurs faded. Everton played with a fury as if they were trying to grab a preemptive equaliser for the last minute howler that they would doubtlessly concede. Mm-hmm. But they didn't, David. It was a new experience watching a phenomenal, wonderfully entertaining game yeah. in which Everton Football Club didn't engineer a horrific last minute collapse. I kind of like it. I've got to say, this season, David, it's taken me to new levels of numbness. Do you remember how the g- are Everton in eleventh, Rog? Can we just say how are they in eleventh place with this team, with this goal scorer Romelu Lukaku? And I know that a lot of unkind people are saying, "Oh, without Romelu Lukaku, look where Everton would be." I actually think it's a different way. Everton have played such good football this season. I don't understand how they sit there only four points above Chelsea. Because Davo, we have thrown away point after point from winning positions. I mean, I am at just new levels of fan numbness that when we won against Newcastle United the last second Tom Cleverley looped header yeah handed the Blues just an undeserved three points mm-hmm. I experienced no pleasure whatsoever my my instant emotion was sorrow for Newcastle fans because I've experienced so many late heartbreakers recently mm-hmm. as an Evertonian I've become the Patty Hurst of football fans and I was proven right because they then went on to lose to Stoke. They were 3-2 up and they conspired to lose 4-3. Yeah, that was amazing. John Stones conceding a penalty with the last kick of the ball. Just another Everton game, another 90 minutes, experiencing every human emotion known to man. Frustration in the first half, rapture in the second half. Mm-hmm. I really began to believe for a minute that we were going to be a top four team. Mm-hmm. And an utter agony, David. At Tyler Typewriter tweeted, at this point, these endings are starting to feel routine, predictable and humdrum. Spurs' draw was the fourth time in seven games Everton have failed to preserve a lead. This is a season. I mean, Bournemouth, Palace, Norwich, Leicester, Newcastle, Stoke, we've taken six points from those games, throwing away lead after lead. And I'll say a season of what if. Mm -hmm. That's the most painful season of all. 
Do you think there's something tactically in that, though, Roger? Is there something that the manager is not doing? He did certainly have a reputation at Wigan that he gave up a lot of goals. You have Phil Jagielka being injured. Yeah. means we do not have a great on-the-field leader. Gareth Barry is the veteran, but he's a very quiet veteran. And we don't have that kind of experience. It's a lot of young, very headless guys. We do not know how to. We do not know how to drop back into a shell and kill off again. The last fifty minutes, we will meet our opponents with frenzy play, even though we have the lead, and that's why we lose it. And maybe with Tim Howard's form, you were talking about Petacek earlier. Maybe with Tim Howard's form, he doesn't have the command over his defence that he once had. Also, Stevie Naismith, oh. Rog, how are you feeling about that? One of your favourite players of all time. Yeah, he's the, the impending move. To Norwich. Yeah, he's not going to look good in the yellow and green. Oh, it's just it's not very good sad, colours David. for him. Yeah, I feel very sad. Yeah. I feel deeply wounded. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's been emblematic of Everton to me yeah. in the good times. He's a player who's punched way above his skill level, uh-huh. thanks to Endeavour. And he always knew, with his tireless work for the homeless and the military, that life is about community. Mm-hmm. He wants to start games, and I understand that desire at his age. I wish him well, Dave. I mm-hmm. wish him well with love. At OWTK, one of many, to tweet in and say, you cannot buy in the January window what you cannot see <laughs> at Norwich City FC. Can't Hashtag Scottish Messi. On a more positive note, I've got to say congratulations to Everton for recruiting the former senior director of competitive analysis, research and innovation from the US Olympic oh. Committee. Dr. Peter Vint has left Colorado Springs. He's gone to the Everton Academy to find an ex Ross Barkley or Wayne Rooney. Spent some time with the U.S. Olympic Committee in December when yeah. I had the honour of hosting their uh, annual dinner. All of them were talking about him going off to Everton with a sense of wonder. He's meant mm. to be a remarkable bloke, and it's going to be fascinating to watch that American's transition into the world of English football. Interesting, Rog. Okay, West Ham two, Liverpool nil. The Irons complete a league double over Liverpool for the first time in more than half a century. Goals from Mikhail Antonio and the Cornbund Andy Carroll move Slavin... Cornbund, that's a new thing. Move Slavin Bilic's side quietly into sixth. Jurgen Klopp's men end the festive period, Roger, with two wins and two losses and in eighth place in the league. Oh, one minute, they're giving it bifters. Yeah. The next, they appear utterly free of bifter. All yeah. bifters, not present. They top Chelsea. Yeah. Manchester City. Mm-hmm. They also get spanked by Newcastle, humiliated by Watford. Yeah. I mean, it's a team that... They beat Leicester, Rog. Yeah, team, I mean, that was probably at Anfield one of their best games under Klopp. And then mm-hmm. they wilted against West Ham, a game in which they followed their new nasty habit of seeding the lead early. It's a team that are playing within microsystems. Mm-hmm. One minute, Jurgen Klopp is fielding questions about whether and when his team will be in the Champions League. And the question is, why? Why is that the most unpredictable, most erratic team in football? It's hard to figure out. Maybe it's this period of adjustment. You know, early on, there is a certain adrenaline under a new manager. Uh, you figure out a way to work hard to gag and press to sort of find levels of inspiration that you didn't uh, heretofore have. Uh, but now they just appear sparkless, dull. It actually reminds me a little bit of the way they were playing under Broj. <laughs> I mean, Klopp says he's acclimating to the English game. He told Bilt... Um, there's a different style of football here, partially due to the weather, which I found fascinating. Yeah. He said the wind is quite extreme in England. And We're the wind not familiar. has been very extreme for the last few weeks. We're not familiar with that in Germany. Yeah, so you have to have keep your style wind. of play simple. He said it's much more challenging in the Premier League than the Bundesliga. There's far more competitive games. They almost win the games they're not expected to, Liverpool, and then wilt 
against the West Hams and the Watfords. I mean, West Ham did the double over Liverpool for the first time West Ham and since 1964. They were fantastic. I mean, they outdid Liverpool with a mix of physicality uh, and ideas. Liverpool seemed rusty. Fantastic counter-attacking opening goal. Um, Mikel Antonio, an Englishman who sounds a bit like a Soviet Cuban, Davo, oh, your we, best. We love, we, love, we love an English player with a foreign-sounding name. A crunching tackle by him at one end and then a fantastic thumping uh, header. But then Andy Carroll, Davo, I mean, you can only describe him like a male Abbey Wombat. He is amazing, Rog. I mean, he does what he does so rarely, like no one else in the Premier League. These headers, this... Just, you just feel the excitement of the wingers when they're getting to cross the ball into the area. Rises above, just a precise pinpoint header into the corner, Rod. Yeah, Bilic, after the game, challenged him to stay out the clubs. He said, is he going to maintain and progress and look after himself or is he going to go the other way? He has a history of that and I'm mm. not his dad. Third away defeat in four for Liverpool, who had no Henderson, no Milner. They were woeful. I mean, ultimately, you look at it, Klopp may be undone just by the quality of his squad. They used to field Alonso, Mascherano, Suarez, Stevie G. Mm. And in this game, Liverpool's big idea seemed to empower Coutinho to blast the ball with proximate direction yeah. of goal from any kind of distance. At G. Bento said, Firmino is your classic, better in FIFA 16 than in real life situation. And poor Christian Benteke. It's very hard to play in a puddle of your own self-confidence, David. Yeah, and especially seeing him play against, you know, former Liverpool boy Andy Carroll and just looking at what Benteke is and what Andy Carroll can do at his best when he's fit. You made the point, though, and I think this was right on the nail when we were talking about this yesterday, that Liverpool seemed to rise and fall based on the form of Felipe Coutinho. Who's just limped off <laughs> of, the, uh, of the League Cup semi-final against Stoke. Uh, talking of Stoke, another team that we don't know who they are, Rog. West Brom 2, Stoke 1 in the 82nd minute. With the game tied at one, Stokes' Jeff Cameron is sent off for a Daniel Russo-style takedown on Claudio Jacob, opening the way for the baggies. Johnny Evans to poke home the winner 11 minutes later. Tony Poulos' men now 14 points from the desired 40. Stokes sit in 10th and remain one of the league's most difficult teams to figure out. Yeah, I mean, no team more emblematic of the erratic unpredictability of the Premier League than Stoke under Mark Uziola. Yeah. <laughs> Wins against Chelsea, yeah. Man City, mm -hmm. Manchester United mm -hmm. and Everton mm -hmm. peppered in between losses against Crystal Palace and West Brom, David. I can say this about them. They are scoring goals that would be long etched in the memories of their fans. Boyan, Shakiri, you loved his goal against Everton. Oh, fantastic goal. And his little troll-like arm fold after humiliating Timmy Howard. Yeah. With a shot he later admitted was actually a cross. Oh, it was? Oh, yeah. I thought it was a real one. Well, I've got to say, Anoutovic's goal against Chelsea still remains my goal of the season. Yeah, it was a fantastic goal. Norwich won. Southampton nil in the 76th minute, oh. just three minutes after the Saints. Victor Wanyama was dismissed for his second yellow card. Ghanaian-born Norwegian Alex Tetty netted the winner for the Canaries. Norwich end the festive period with nine of a possible 12 Amazing. points, Rog, and moves six clear of the drop. Southampton still struggling to turn the engine over. Their 13th, Rog, and in danger of being pulled back into that relegation Fantastic. fight. Fantastic holiday period for Norwich. No manager has coaxed more out of a squad of anonymous players than Alex Neal. But, oh, poor Southampton fans, Davo. Back in November, they seemed ready for that top six tilt. Yeah. 
but their hopes have just wilted as Mane and Wanyama have been distracted by transfer possibilities. Ronald Koeman mm-hmm. berated both of them for their unprofessionalism. How frustrating must it be to support Southampton, to build players with such talent, then have them poached or have their head turned? I mean, it's like Leon and Dortmund in years past, I feel for them. Another team in red and white stripes, Sunderland 3, Aston Villa 1, the Premier League equivalent of the RNL Carriers New Orleans Bowl, Big Sam's Black Cats move within four points of safety <laughs> behind a goal from Patrick Van Aanholt, former Chelsea man, and two from Jermaine Defoe. Villa, meanwhile, have not won in 19 <sighs> games. They're on eight points, 11 from safety. Oh, Villa. Who knows, this season they might win the Premier League, Rod. Not just the Premier League's worst, but the worst team statistically in any English league in 2015. Wow. They earn just two-thirds of a point every game. The only things that you can rely on in life, death, taxes, and Brad Guzan asks Skywoods after conceding a goal. Okay, Rog, in MLS, some important comings and goings over the holiday period, particularly at the Los Angeles Galaxy. Yeah, Janino and Omar Gonzalez both departing for Liga MX. Wow. Omar's career definitely wobbled a little. He seems like a player in need of a fresh start. Many teeth being gnashed about the drain of MLS talent to Liga MX. I'd put that down to just a growing pain for the league. Four more teeth actually being gnashed about the rumoured arrival of Ashley Cole wow. to the LA Galaxy. From Ashley Roma. bloody Cole. He loves Los Angeles. He loves the nightlife. And the LA Galaxy fans, not so reciprocal in their love. They have mm. been so vocal about their disgust on social media. I'd, I'd, I'd suggest they prefer the team sign Ashley Madison. <laughs> the, the other interesting thing in MLS at the moment is Jordan Morris. Yeah. The, the U.S. national team striker, the Stanford University star, mm-hmm. has said he's going to forgo his senior season <gasps> and turn professional. He is in advanced negotiations, quote, with the Seattle Sounders wow. on the contract that will make him the highest paid homegrown player in MLS history. Wow. But as we speak, he is currently training with Werder Bremen huh. in the Bundesliga with Aaron Johansson, Whoa. which is either... Jurgen Klinsmann's influence running large Mm -hmm. or a savvy negotiating tactic to make sure Seattle pay top dollar. I cannot wait to watch him play professional soccer. Mm -hmm. He is Christian McCaffrey without a helmet. Interesting, Rog. Okay, in what would be a phenomenal piece of theatre, ESPN have invited the five (laughs) FIFA presidential candidates to take part in a televised debate. Candidate Jerome Champagne says that's a very appropriate name, Rog. <laughs> says the invitation was for a debate in London, January the 29th. That can't be his real name. His no. real name was actually Jerome Cocaine. <laughs> he changed it just for appearances. Uh, I mean, it's amazing. They've leaked it, ESPN have leaked it that they're trying to lobby FIFA. Mm-hmm. I mean, I love that idea. And I'm sure FIFA's big American based sponsors are mm-hmm. putting some pressure on FIFA to at least trying to pretend to be mildly democratic. I just can't imagine FIFA appreciate this effort on behalf of ESPN. Mm -hmm. I mean, how can you maintain peak kleptocratic conditions with these meddling gestures towards transparency? Yeah. I've got two conditions for this to happen. Yeah. Number one. Megan Kelly. She'd be good. She'd be very good. Yeah. I'd rather have Julie Foudy. Yeah. Alongside 
And this is the only true condition. Yeah. The great Bob Lee. What oh, a one-two yeah. punch they be. That'd be amazing. Asking and, the tough questions. And two, to ensure it's a real ratings draw for Americans who don't actually know what FIFA is still. Yeah. They should make it a fight to the death with clubs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and what point does Set Blatter appear? Act three, act four, to governor say, I'm back. <laughs> it's like a little, the twist in the debate that you would never see coming. It'll be that moment when he comes back oh, in. It'll be the most dramatic rose ceremony yet. Yeah. Uh, in other continental news, Rog, Real Madrid have sacked manager Rafa Benitez after just seven months on the job. The news came Monday after a 2-2 weekend draw with Valencia, Gary Neville's Valencia, Rog. Real Madrid's B-team coach and World Cup champion Zinedine Zidane takes the reins. Oh, yesterday was a great day for balls in coaching. Yeah. Zidane named as the new coach. Yeah. I mean, I'd say the legend is a relatively green coach. Word is he only got the job. When Real Madrid found out that their first target, Brad Friedel, <laughs> signed up to uh, another, by the way, another great hire, signed on yeah. to be the coach of the US under 19 team. Yeah, well great. done to Brad and well done for the US under 19 team. He's going to be fantastic. Uh-huh. We wish both balls Godspeed. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see uh, how he does with, uh, with young men 60 years his junior. Who, Brad? Rog, Brad, yeah. does he done? No, 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 Brad. Uh, he's way less bald in person. Uh, okay, Rog, on to our Ravens. Our first is from CNN Keith. That is Keith Allen. Dear men in blazers, we eagerly await your reaction to Brian Erlacher growing hair. I don't know how to feel right now. Hashtag bald denier. If you didn't see, it's, a, it's, a it's gr- amazing, It's Rog. a great question. I mean, yeah. as a Bears fan, I've got to say, I found today a very mm-hmm. traumatic 24, a roller coaster of emotion. If you didn't see the news, Brian Urlacher yeah. has become a spokesman for Restore, mm-hmm. Chicagoland's leading hair transplant facility. Uh-huh. And their speciality, apparently, is to transform yeah. once vicious linebackers yeah. into friendly suburban shoe salesmen. Mm-hmm. It's amazing looking at him. My observation from every picture I've seen on the internet, Rog, he looked much happier when he had no head. Now, look, I know we've gone out there and we are heavily against bald denying. We are pro-bald. We are anti-hair transplant, but wig, weave in any yourself, way. Right? But he just does not look as happy with hair. He, he must have been one of the few guys who looked at Wayne Rooney stumbling around a football field and thought, wow, that guy looks good. The one thing I do approve of, though, is that he's going out and so openly talking about the fact he's had a transplant. He's not trying to hide it in any way. He's not trying to say, oh, yeah, my natural hair's been growing back. It's been amazing. I don't know what happened. Which makes me think, Dave, Erlacher never had hair. We didn't know an Erlacher with hair. When he was in New Mexico, Mm -hmm. 1996 to 2000, bald. Yeah. 13 years with the Bears. Mm -hmm. Hall of Fame career to be with the Bears. Bald. Each to their own. But the question is, why is he doing this now, Dave? That's to me, is fascinating. Yeah, don't know, Rush. I, I can think of three reasons, Okay, David. go ahead. Reason one. The pure financial play. Yeah. Needs the money. Yeah. An endorsement opportunity comes from Restore, yeah. Chicago Land's leading hair transplant facility. Mm-hmm. Two. Mm-hmm. Age 37. Mm-hmm. Enter the Erlacher midlife crisis. Mm-hmm. Red sports car. Hair New transplant. girlfriend. Hair transplant. Hair transplant. Or three. Mm-hmm. Brian Erlacher is a reverse Samson. His lack of hair was the source of his strength. Oh. And now he's done. He's finished as a purveyor of fear and violence. Maybe doesn't, need to, doesn't need strength anymore. Maybe he's saying, I don't want that me. I want to be yeah. a different me. I, I, want, I want to sing to animals. I want to help the needy. Uh-huh. And so he needs to heal. He needs hair 
to become a true man of peace. Interesting. But the thing that's a bit weird to me that makes me, I'd, I'd like to believe it's number three because I like that number three narrative. I <laughs> yeah. like that redemptive narrative of hair. Uh-huh. But he went on the Dan Patrick show a couple of years ago, Papsty, uh-huh. Paul Papstar, yeah. our mate, um, said today, he said, we had Erlacher on the show a few years back and he went out of his way to say, I'm not bald. I chose to keep my hair tight shaved just out of convenience. So why, Dave? Why? He said he is a true bull denier. I yeah. mean, and that made me think a bit deeper, Dave. I realized many men become great athletes because they love competition. But a lot of men come because they're driven by a need to commit violence from a dark place, a tough upbringing, a brutal father. Maybe Erlacher's violence came from his self-loathing as an early bald. Interesting. My baldness keeps me whole, but for him, it may have been tearing him apart. I mean, look, I certainly went through a sizable midlife crisis, Roger. It may still be going on. (laughs) It's now into its second decade, my midlife crisis, Roger. But the one thing I certainly never considered in all that period was doing anything about my hair. Clearly. (laughs) Okay, Rog, the winner of the coveted Guinness Men in Blazers poet, philosopher, sucker scribe, raven of the week is Mark Curlin from Virginia. A week or two ago, I heard Davo talking to Rog on the pod and Davo started getting very real. Uh Uh-oh. And then he stopped saying that he was doing so because he knows how much sincerity bothers Rog. I've noticed this about other English people and I want you to tell me, what's the deal? I've always valued being real or being authentic, as they say. Yeah. As one of the greatest attributes, LTD, as one of the greatest attributes in a human being. But sincerity seems to bother you English so much. It's confusing to me because I've also heard you lot express with great grand eloquence how soccer expresses the human condition. So I know you understand these feelings as intimately as an Arsenal shirt understands the wearer's nipples. But it seems you think it's wrong to dwell on just the one part of it we usually call sincerity. I've heard you two reflect on profound dilemmas of human life, such as should we pity villain Diego Costa for his slump? I've heard you ponder how Klopp's open love and hugs for his players is transforming his team in an arena where love isn't the most common emotion. And I've read Nick Hornby. Thus, I know the English are capable of feeling and dwelling in the glass case of emotion. So this really, really puzzles me. Why is sincerity, acknowledgement, and being with one's greatness, the garlic to England's vampire, the John Stones to Chelsea, something money just can't buy thanks for that i don't know that this is i mean i will say and i don't really remember what we were talking about at that point but i do remember stopping saying something but i don't think it was about rog not enjoying sincerity it was about praise yeah it's about positive talking positively about yourself i hate that i don't mind sincerity i love self-loathing i like negativity i like criticism I just like don't being like positive about myself. We were talking about BlazerCon. Oh, yeah. We were talking about how hard it is like, to oh, enjoy yeah. success. Oh, yes. I mean, you've got to understand, we grew up in a stiff, upper-lip culture. Mm-hmm. We were schooled under Victorian conditions, weren't we, David? Oh, worse. Victorian. You were one of the lucky ones. <laughs> Children were to Medieval be seen and not heard. High school. We, yeah. were, we were conditions that breed repressed emotion like a petri mm-hmm. dish. And I guess real, real feelings could only be alluded to or euphemistically or uh, kind of or turn quickly into a joke, David. Wouldn't you say that was how you kind of came of age? Oh, without a doubt. I mean, I almost feel that the reason I had to leave Britain was because I was far too positive and I liked hugging people. And that's something which you just didn't do I mean, in Britain. When I grew up, the heroes shown to us at school were soldiers who wrote poetry and then died young, attacking German machine gun pillboxes. Yeah. Or Arctic polar explorers who wandered off to their death <laughs> in the snow on their birthday. Yeah. after they'd been injured because they didn't want to hold back the rest of the party. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was all about stoicism, how we grew yeah. up. But it has changed. It has changed, Davo. It has. I mean, Princess Diana's death, 
that outpouring of grief. Yeah. And also, and this is going to sound funny to Americans, but I cannot tell you how much the export of US sitcoms like Friends, which model relationships uh, and in which they articulated their inner feelings, it led to like the creation of new models of manhood like David Beckham and Andy Murray. That man's 80% emotion. Yeah. Although a healthy dose of Scottish stoicism at the same time. No, it's very different. It's something that Britain is still catching up uh, on with the rest of the world. Like many things, like electricity, hot water, <laughs> washing regularly, brushing our teeth. Teeth. Yeah. Um, but no, it is, it, is, it is something. But I do think there is something doing this podcast, is that you never know how much to share. I used to be sewn into my underpants about, in winter. About what you're really feeling, about what you're really thinking. About how much should you really share? How much are you actually genuinely interested in the interior of our minds and souls and lives? Not at all, I should imagine. I think <laughs> the one thing we bond about is football. It's yeah. why we love it. It allows us to feel things, to talk about feelings that we yeah. cannot feel or talk about feeling in real life. Mm. Happiness, sadness, frustration, defeat, and thanks to Jurgen Klopp, love. Sweet, sweet German love. <laughs> to me, that's, David, just, that's just how Sam Allardyce put it. <laughs> to, to, me, to me, football yeah. isn't a game. I've uh-huh. realised... It's an emotional crutch, David. It's my emotional lexicon. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's the FA Cup, Rog. What was it that Ray Wilkins said the FA Cup was? When he did the, uh, the Fox commercials yeah, when a he couple was of years ago. It for Fox. He said it's like your... Uh, Super Bowl. It's, no, he said it's like your college ma- madness. Your yeah. college madness. Or yeah. uh, your FA Cup weekend looks like this, courtesy <laughs> of Mini USA. Ray Wilkins LTD. Friday at 2.55pm. Friday, Exeter City versus Liverpool. Oh, the incident at Exeter. Saturday at 12.30, Manchester United versus Sheffield United. Sunday at 11am, Spurs versus Leicester. All those games on the Fox family of networks. Many ways to connect to us. One is our Amazon Emporium, which helps keep the show going. Anytime you go to Amazon for items, big or small, just click off the Emporium page and Men in Blazers gets a tiny percentage that allows us to cover the cost of creating this podcast. What are you putting in the Emporium this week, Rog? A book. <gasps> Two books. Yeah, are they about drug dealers? Yeah. Oh. yeah. As I said, I went to Mexico this vacation. Yeah. And I spent the whole time reading two works by Don Winslow. Uh-huh. The Power of the Dog which is just fantastic, uh-huh. and The Cartel, which is also quite good. Two unbelievably well-researched epics, mm-hmm. which chart the dark, heartbreaking story mm-hmm. of the violent, violent rise of Mexico's cocaine cartels mm-hmm. and the war against drugs, which naively mm-hmm. attempted to battle them. I should warn readers that the books, that they are packed with scenes of haunting torture and violence, all of which are sadly all too true. But I simply I couldn't put these books down, David. The, mm-hmm. the big theme is how futile and misguided the war on drugs was. Mm-hmm. But the biggest takeaway for me is, like always, how dark humanity is and how cheap human life can be considered. These mm-hmm. books are both phenomenal reads. Uh, well, Rog, uh, I'm putting in the wrist widget. I've been dealing with terrible wrist pain, Rog. I've been mostly injury-free my entire uh, life slash amateur sports career. But in just the, the last couple of months, last two or three months, I've got terrible pain in both my wrists. So much so, I, mean, I know this is going to shock you, and it's, no, it's going to upset you. I couldn't play tennis over the break, Rog. I couldn't. 
You take away tennis from a middle-class Englishman. It's very, very difficult. We normally only talk about these injuries in our other podcast, Onanism <laughs> Today. Yeah, no, it's, not even, it's in both. Rog, I'm telling you, it's not just one hand. It's in both my wrists simultaneously. <laughs> um, I've got this same problem, and it's... I just don't know what it is. Absolutely don't know what it is. But terrible wrist pain. Can't play tennis. I'm very worried about my golf game. And I'm trying anything. This is really just a plea for help to get, if there are any hand and wrist specialists in the GFOP community, uh, if you could like call me up so we could do a, uh, a checkup over the phone. Why are you using the podcast? Just go on the Reddit. The, what, the subreddit with Calvin, Akshay and Alex? For, no, for, no, no. The, uh, I'm sure there's a Reddit for like people who are frequent masturbators. No, it's nothing to do with <laughs> masturbation, Rog. This is, this is to do with... Believe me, I've got whole other problems with that. This is to do with my wrist pain, Rog. It's some kind of sporting injury. I don't know what it is. Anyway, the wrist widget, Rog, take a look at that. The wrist widget uh, decreases pain with gripping, weight-bearing, wrist rotation and wrist extension. That would be good. Clinically proven to reduce wrist pain. It's incredible immediate outcomes. One size fits most, right? So very good. Anyway, you this can, is on the can, way. You can throw it's, wanker signs with freedom. It's twenty-eight dollars. Family games. Twenty-eight. A bargain. If that helps my wrists, it's a bargain at twenty-eight dollars. That's what I'm putting in. Anybody else suffering from wrist pain? But really, this is about me. I need help. Help. <laughs> okay, Rog. You can now watch entire episodes of our crap TV show on NBC Sports Live X. Right? You've never. I must say, we've done this pod for a long time. You've never given me the look you just oh, gave me. That was my. I'm worried about you. I'm really Not worried really. about you. You can now watch. Enti- that wasn't what the look was. You can <laughs> now. It wasn't. You can now watch entire episodes of our crap TV show on NBC Sports Live Extra, Apple TV, and Roku. It's also up on our website, MenInBlazers.com. Also on MenInBlazers.com, a place to sign up for our newsletter, The Raven, which we produce with our partner Guinness. We've got a Spotify account, Men underscore in underscore blazers men in blazers that's a wonder of the modern world you can follow us on twitter at embassy davies at men in blazers at rog bennett on instagram at men in blazers at embassy underscore davies uh, we've got a facebook also we've got a subreddit men in maintained by gfop's akshay calvin and alex you can always send your ravens to the crap part of soho you can always email us at men in blazers at gmail.com vendor punk rog war pig who wants to sex matumbo explosion courage Take that, Gloria. Is that your analysis? To tweed. LTD. Kung Fu Fight in America. LTD. <laughs> LTN. <laughs> Love you, Rog. Love you, David. My wrists hurt. <laughs>